Hi, my name is Yemi, and I'm here with my co-host, Philia. Hey. And welcome to Treading Treading Faith. Faith. Treading Faith is a weekly podcast surrounding open discussions on faith and relationships. Philia, what are we talking about today? We are in the season of the power of parables, where we take a closer look at the parables of Jesus Christ and put a current spin on it. I mean, Jesus had the wisdom to simplify profound spiritual truths with humanity, and he put them in forms of parables. So today we're going to discuss the parables of the wicked tenants. All right. Are you going to get into the reading? Let's get into it. There's a bit to unravel here. But first, the parable of the wicked tenants is taken from Matthew 21, verses 33 to 46. I will be reading from the NIV version. However, feel free to use any version that you will like. Go ahead, Philia. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Mm. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruits. Anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus's parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that was a prophet. Thank you, Philia. Thank you. That was a very interesting parable (laughs) Um, filled with violence and murder. Yes. But that's the parable that Jesus gave to explain, right? Right, right. And what's interesting about this is that he put himself in this position, almost that he was foretelling what his uh, demise was going to be. And this is what I found interesting about this particular parable. Oh, yeah? Yes. Um, The reason why is because I see this parable as the tenants or the vineyard is like is like Israel that God has presented to his people. And the servants were the past prophets that came and were beaten or killed or destroyed. And when the 
owner of the vineyard sent his son and the tenants, the wicked tenants said, we'll kill his son. That's the son was also Christ. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in this parable of the wicked tenants, the tenants are the people of Israel. Um, the owner moves away, God. Yes. And the last person he sent was his heir, which is Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. That's correct. And um, hence were so wicked that they wanted the inheritance for themselves. Mm -hmm. hmm. I wonder what made them think that they could take the inheritance for themselves. What do you think that? I think they felt that they can take the inheritance for themselves because they feel, I think they felt that if if the owner is not present, then they can be in control of everything. I think that they did not want to submit, you know, or feel like they had any authority that they had to look to. And I think they wanted the power for themselves. And because of that, they were willing to, to destroy the thing closest to the owner, because that will, I would say, bring, bring the owner to his knees when they take his own son, not just a servant, but his own actual son. And I think that they thought that they would cripple the owner by doing this. Mm. But I mean, as we know from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that this was a part of the plan and that it was through his death that we all became saved. Right. right? And I, and I think maybe we're the new tenants, right. When, 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 uh, when the landowner returns and he gets rid of every everyone, it's those who enter into a new relationship or a new covenant with Jesus that becomes the landowners or becomes the new tenants. I want to say, and this might be controversial, <laughs> what I thought about when reading this was why did the tenant, why did the landowner stay away so long? And if he sent his initial servant and the servant had uh, came back beat up or abused as the case, why didn't he come? Why was it that he kept sending servants until the very demise of his own uh, his own heir? Hmm. I, I don't understand that part of this parable because I, I know that God has a plan and purpose and I know through Jesus, Jesus's death, that we are freed. But let's think about this in the context of Israel, like maybe Chronicles or Kings, or, or spe specifically Kings, right. where, where, um, several Kings, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, Judges. Sorry, mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about Judges, where the people of Israel would cry out to God. They would be wicked and um, they would face the retribution of their neighbors. They would be in, uh, in captivity, they would be abused, they'd be beaten and they would cry out and God would send a judge to deliver them. And it was constant that he would do this. But ultimately Israel was destroyed, Jerusalem fell ultimately because this was like a cycle. And I just, I mean, I don't understand why the cycle wasn't broken sooner, right. <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Why did it take multiple tenants, multiple, I mean, multiple servants, multiple prophets, and up until the sun to break this cycle? I have two things I want to say about this. I think the first thing is because everything was orchestrated and we already ordained, this was supposed to be the process, right? Okay. But I'm also thinking of it in retrospect to our uh, 
you just a person, let's just say you had property, right? And um, you find that your tenants, you know, are not paying or doing what they're supposed to do. You send your property manager over. Something happens to the property manager. You probably give them the person the benefit of the doubt. You say, wait a minute, this must be a mistake. Let me send again another person. It happens again. And you'll be like, wait a second, this can't be happening because now you're appalled at the guts and the gall of how these people are operating. And maybe now you send a third person and say, you know what, maybe if I send my son, they'll have more respect. And then something happens now to your son. Now you do something about it. So I think that as people, sometimes we don't take action immediately. And I think that the reason why God didn't, one, first thing I said is that it was already orchestrated because the people had to see the wrath or the people had to see that this sacrifice is the only thing that's going to redeem humanity. However, I think that if something was done at the beginning, there would be no redemption. People will not have redeemable qualities about themselves because they will have no warning. They would have no precedence. And I think that's why it was important for several um, tenants or several kings or several judges to have died or have suffered. I think it's a point that needs to be made. Well, you know, who am I to question God and his authority? (laughs) I, you know, I understand that he has a plan and purpose. And I realize that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was the only way to transform, right? Because like you said, with the many servants that came, they didn't care. (laughs) They just didn't care. They continued to be wicked. But, you know, even to the point where they had the audacity to kill the heir. But that was the only way to break free. Yes. And I realized that we're we're born in sin and that the devil has a hold of this world. And it was through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that the curse that was lifted, right? Like that we can have everlasting life because we were cursed to die. We were right. cursed to live in sin and we were cursed to die. But it's only through Jesus Christ that we can have everlasting everlasting life. But I'm still like, you could have said that from the beginning. Right. Right. But think about it, right? Um, You make a point. You said that you could have said that in in the beginning. Why why did we have to go through so much in order to get that? But I think that's what it is. I think we as human beings take things for granted. We don't listen twice. I mean, look at that. We are cursed with the inequities of Adam and Eve, right? Um, Had they listened the first time, we would all have everlasting life. We wouldn't have had to get Christ, right? To get involved in this, right? Mm -hmm. There would be no death. There would be no, no evil happening. So I think it's the same thing. I think as human beings, we don't listen the first time we're told we have to hit rock bottom. And this was the um, God's way of letting us all hit rock bottom before something good had to come from it. And I think that's just the nature of who we are as people speaking to us once and for all, or speaking to us the first time to get it right is just not the way we are built. We are not operated in that way. And oh, that is we're hard-headed. We are very hard-headed. <laughs> You know, when you were talking, it reminded me of the Mm -hmm. scripture in James um, 1 verse 3, which is because, you know, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Mm. Like we're still in this world. There's still evil. And so even though for me, I'm like, God, deliver me from the, you have the power, you have the authority, deliver me from this. Like, I don't have to, I shouldn't have to live in this evil. I shouldn't have to have all this, uh, these things happen, but it's 
through the trying and testing of my faith produces perseverance. And we're supposed to have faith, right? Right. Maybe, like, I don't see myself as the wicked tenant, right? Mm. When I'm looking at this parable and we're trying to bring it to life and, and examine our own lives, I don't see myself as a wicked tenant. I don't see myself... Abu- you know, abusing and killing and, uh, and and then plotting to make something mine. I say that at the onset, but then I have to think about it a little bit deeper because maybe I am a wicked tenant, right? Because God gives to us so freely, right? This is, this is his inheritance and he gives to us so freely, but we abuse it, right? And the prophets are the ones who come and warn us or, you know, we have the Bible that we can read now, right? We have the words of the prophets that tell us repent and obey. But what do we use our time, talents, and treasury for, to be honest, right? Like, are we returning that to God? Because the tenants were supposed to pay rent. They just didn't want to pay rent. No. And I can think of times where I should be doing more and haven't. Like I've fallen so short. Mm-hmm. So I guess I can see myself as a wicked tenant. And when you when you delicately told me I'm hard-headed, <laughs> <laughs> I realize I realize that it's not just about this relationship and trying to connive and say this belongs to me. It's about our mindset of this world currently, like how are we treating God's inheritance? God gives us time, talent, treasury. What do we do with those things? Are we paying a portion of it to God, right? Are you giving to to God, your church, to the community? community? Are you spending time elevating your community, whether it's through Christian discipleship or just, you know, spending time with people who who need time and resources, right? Like plenty of opportunities for us to take our time or even our talents. We have multiple various skill sets and we don't use them. Correct. And I mean, I just, I just, I had just had my eyes open, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> because in my head, I'm just like, I just don't understand why God would wait until the sun comes until, you know, wait and then have his son killed. But like you said, it's part of the plan. It's part of the process. It was already ordained and we are humans and we are hard headed. And I think the warnings are soft warnings, right? It's, you know, you, not until you get to the end, do you get the wrath, right? right? But the, everything that came before was soft warnings. Like, I'm going to take a little bit of this away. I'm going to take a little bit of that, you know, repent, obey, be, you know, serve, serve others. And, and we don't, we fall short. So sometimes we are wicked tenants, I actually. I agree. And I think that just the idea, like you mentioned about what faith is, you know, it says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but the conviction of things that are not seen. So that idea of trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, right? You, it's not our our role or our goal to understand it. Just like you asked, why did God send so many before he sent his only son? And already knowing what was going to become of it, I think that as, as tenants or as people or humanity, we have to go through these things to build our faith, to be able to see that on in the outcome on the end is supposed to make us stronger, is supposed to build that community, is supposed to build that trust. If it happens in the first place, we don't have a precedence. We don't have a foundation to start from because what, what did we learn from it? 
you know, I think you can only learn when you fail. You can only learn when when things have to continue. Like you said, there was this cycle of the same things happening and happening. How come people weren't learning their lesson? And it caused the demise of Israel in the Bible. It caused the fall of that kingdom. So I think this needs to happen. I think we in society, we as humanity need to see so much demise for us to build a faith that, wait a second, there is still a glimpse of hope. And this was, this is the, to me what the story represents, that glimpse of hope that in the end, something needs to be done for us to be able to ask for this forgiveness, for us to be able to be redeemable because we are so wicked as hum human beings. You know, in, in the end of that parable, it says the stone that the builders rejected will become the cornerstone. Mm. So, you know, by, by, by the death of the air, right, mm -hmm. of the sun, where where God's the the not saying God the um, the landowner said, surely they will respect my son's authority. Right. By that death, it became the cornerstone for the new foundation. Right, right. the tenants had to go, right. and it was only through that last straw did we get to start over. Correct. And I'm thankful for Jesus' death because it opened, it opened up an opportunity not only for us to be reconciled and have everlasting life, which was close to us before, right. but it also allowed Christianity to spread, right? It was no longer consolidated. The word was no longer for the people of Israel. It was for everyone. Right. Jews and Gentiles alike could have access to this everlasting life. Right. And I appreciate that because that is the cornerstone, right? It's the it cornerstone is. of our faith right. is the death and, the resurrection. Death and resurrection. Exactly. 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 But, you know, as you said before, mm -hmm. Jesus was telling them about his own demise and right. it's sad. It is. You know, he like, had to tell them like. This is what you're going to do to me. Yeah. You are going to kill me, the son of the, the landowner. And that to me is both, it's profound, it's overwhelming to think about because he he knew this and yet still, he was still willing to die yeah. to protect us yeah. for our sins because he knew we, it's like you, you, if you do, if you know better, you'll do better, you know? So forgive those who do not know, you know? And it's, it's just really unfortunate, but we are so grateful. Are we even worthy of this? Yeah. You know, yes. that's what it makes you really think about. It's are touching. We worthy of it's it? touching actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. He really sacrificed himself right. for us. I mean, this is like centuries away right. us. Right. And we have so much. We can have part of this inheritance. Yeah. Because he started a new leaf, right? Like where the foundation started, it wasn't appreciated. It wasn't used. And he had to start again. And I don't want God to look at me and say, listen, I've been warning you. I've been telling right. you, use your time, talents, and treasury, or you're not going to inherit. Right. Because, I, I mean, I'm not trying to take what, what Jesus has. I'm not trying to take anything right and right. plus i don't want anything from this world i want the afterlife the i want afterlife. what That's i want what jesus important. promises right. the bigger prize the prize in the end right <laughs> keeping our eye on the prize the prize is not here <laughs> <laughs> right right so um and you know it's it's interesting because even in that last you know uh context where he mentions you know when jesus is also making that statement about himself you know, in relation to God, I think that he 
is seeing himself, like I mentioned, that he is the son of the owner of the vineyard and he's predicting his own death. So I think that's important to 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 understand because it shows how much Christ loved us, how much he begged God, like they don't know, you know, I, you know, I will sacrifice myself, you know, take me, take me to forgive them. And I think we owe everything. We owe our whole existence. Everything that we do has to be for God because he did everything in his might to forgive us and to give us everlasting life because we didn't have that. You know, we, so many prophets before them have, before him have messed up in a sense, you know, and, and we owe that. We owe that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we owe everything to Christ and for him to come and sacrifice himself is I'm moved (laughs) and I'm, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. This was a great word. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on the parable of the wicked tenants. But before we wrap, we have a few announcements and then we will close with a prayer. First, we would like to announce that we'll be back next Wednesday with another podcast on the parable of the fig tree. This can be found in Matthew 21 verses 33 to 44. We're also very, very excited to be back for our Wisdom Wednesdays YouTube live discussion where we discuss the power of parables and how they relate to our everyday lives. This will take place on Wednesday, February 9th at 7 p.m. Don't be late and definitely don't forget to tune in. Please check out our Instagram page for updates. Lastly, our podcast, Treading Faith, is available on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And don't forget to follow us, like us, comment, and share with family, colleagues, and neighbors alike. Now, let us join together in prayer. Thank you for joining us in prayer. We believe in the power of prayer and specifically praying the text of the Bible. Because according to Isaiah 55, 11, God's word will not come back void. We also believe that our prayers are strengthened in numbers. So we ask that you come into agreement with us for this prayer. Lord God, our Father, we honor and bless your holy name. According to Matthew 18, 20, when two or more are gathered in your name, you are present. So we welcome you and we thank you for your presence, not just today, but continually in our daily lives. Father God, we come before you humbly asking to remove and strip from us any remnants that would keep us from disobeying your word, anything that would make us look like wicked tenants. We have been hard-headed at times and we fail to see, we fail to answer the call, but Father God, we know that you can change things and do new things in us. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Oh, Father, we seek your face and we ask you for forgiveness. We ask you to help us turn from our wickedness. We ask you to help us strengthen our resolve for you, for your love and for your kingdom and for your purpose in our lives. Help us to remove idolatry. 
Help us to remove the distractions. Help us to remove depression and anger. Anything that doesn't exalt your name, oh Father God. We ask you for this, not only to heal our lands, but Father God, to make us whole and righteous in your sight. Psalms 38, 18 says, I confess my inequity and I'm sorry for my sin. We are humbled, oh Father God, when we say we confess our sins, that we are sorry for our sins. Father God, we fall short every day, but we know that you are a loving and forgiving God who gives mercy and grace. We pray that you help us overcome the struggles that we have in our lives that keeps us from exalting you in all things, that keeps us from meeting righteousness in your eyes, that keeps us from doing and obeying your word. Lamentations 5.21 says, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old. Oh, Father God, we know that Christ died for us so that we can be reconciled with you, to you. Father, restore yourself to us. Let us see the glory of you, your majesty, your miracles and blessings in our eyes. We humbly beseech you and we repent of our wicked ways. Oh, Father God, sometimes we could be so absent-minded in the things that we do. We speak out of anger and jealousy and fear, not acknowledging that you have overcome this world. That when we speak out of anger and fear, that we are taking away from your glory. You who have done wonderful things in our lives, who has called us to be set apart who has asked us to be removed from the things of this world. Father God, bring to mind these things that we struggle with so that we can overcome them because we cannot face anything we cannot see. So Father God, help us see, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Father, we want to be obedient to you because John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Although we struggle, Father God, our love for you doesn't die. We will strive every day to be closer to you and to keep your commandments. Let the Holy Spirit move within us so that we can be stronger and have a will that keeps your commandments. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not just hearers. Father God, we don't just want to hear your word, but we want to do it. We want to put action behind our words. We want our faith to be displayed through the works of our hand. Oh, Father God, give us opportunities to show our love and our gratitude towards you. Give us opportunities to be living testimonies of your grace. Oh, Father God, give us opportunities to teach others what we learned and be an example of your love. Isaiah 119 says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Father, we are willing, although sometimes we are not obedient. But if our heart seeks you first, oh, Father God, all things will be added onto us. All things will come together. All things will work for our good. Oh, Father God, when we desire 
more than anything is to have your unconditional love and favor shine upon us in all the days of our lives and shine upon our loved ones and help us to overcome any and every obstacle we may face. You are a good and holy God who does not forsake his children. We ask you to look upon us with favor even when we struggle, even when we are disobedient. Creating us a changed heart and a changed mind so that we can be reconciled with you. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So Father God, if we keep our eyes on you, the devil will flee. The obstacles that he throws in our way will be gone because we are focused on you, oh Father God, and you will make the crooked path straight. You will tell us which way to go. So Father God, we submit ourselves to you to be made whole, to be cleansed of our past, our past disobedience, our past failures, our past lack of faith, our past lack of trust, even our fear that denies your grace, oh Father God, that denies you as a supreme being when we submit to the fears of this world. So we enter into your house, oh Father God, into this time with praise because we know that we can overcome anything with praise and thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So this is our request for Father God that you will stir in us something new, that you will help us, oh, Father God, become righteous and clean in your eyes, that the Holy Spirit will do works in us, great works in us, to restore us, to heal us, and to make us new creatures. Colossians 4.2 says, come steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So we pray and we watch and we give thanksgiving to you, almighty God, who is doing exceedingly above all that we can ask for. Father, we give thanks in all circumstances because we know this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for us. According to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we ask that your word lives in us, not just being fleeting words that we hear and passes overnight, but that lives in us, that develops in us a plant, a seed, roots that grow so that we can be not only disciples and stewards of the gifts that you have given us, but Father God, that we can be obedient with our heart and mind towards you and your kingdom. Matthew 18, 19 says, if at least two of us agree on earth about anything we ask for, that it will be done by our Father in heaven. So we come into agreement this morning and we say, amen, amen, amen. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for staying with us and coming into prayer with us. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week. Bye.